Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zerah Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. When was the last time that you prayed, God, teach me to walk in your sanctification? God speaks numerous times, both in the old and new, concerning his purposes, his will for our life. And it's only when we are maturing that we're going to be moving in the direction of his will. And we call that sanctification, whereby we become less and the power of God, the presence of God, the spirit of God becomes more in our life. That is sanctification. It involves us following the purposes of God. Sanctification is derived from the word holy, both in Hebrew and in Greek. The word holy, and it's a process whereby we grow and mature and submit more and more and more to the will of God. So again, when was the last time that you prayed, God, help me to do your will for my life. Give me your revelation so that I can submit to what you would have me to do that we lay ourselves, so to speak, upon the altar and become, as Paul says in Romans 12, a living sacrifice so that we can be abundantly pleasing to God. Well, with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to 1 Thessalonians and chapter 4. We're going to begin this chapter in this lesson. We'll complete it, God willing, next week. And notice what, what Paul says. He writes, therefore, brethren, but it begins with another phrase. And that is the word many Bibles will say, finally. But it's literally, if we look at it, it has to do with the final thing that, that Paul wants to talk about. So he is beginning this fourth chapter, the second to last chapter. And what he said up until this time, has prepared things for this, that which is remaining. And usually that which is remaining is the, the main thing, the primary truth that Paul wants to share in an epistle. So he says, finally, therefore, brethren, we beseech you and we, the word is encouraged, but it could be a stronger word in the English language, the word exhort. So it means to, to encourage greatly to put pressure on someone to do and here's the key to do the right thing to turn away from the things of the world the the thinking of the world and embrace the purposes of god so finally therefore brethren we beseech you and exhort you how in the lord yeshua now i don't believe it's an accident that the term here before yeshua is the word lord we need to grow and mature and acknowledge that, that Yeshua is just not my Savior. He's that. But also, because he has saved me, I acknowledge him as Lord over me. 
Now, we're not talking about, and I want to give a term because many times people use this term incorrectly. It's a term, and we've mentioned it before recently, it's a term lordship. And many times people will speak about lordship salvation and they apply it to something that is incorrect. Lordship salvation is saying, in order to be saved, you have to, to demonstrate in your life his lordship. So it becomes a works-based righteousness, a salvation by performance. We're not talking about that at all. That would be heresy. What we're talking about is acknowledging, understanding that he is Lord and desiring to submit to that lordship over our life. That is maturity and that is related to what he's going to focus in on and that is sanctification. We'll see that in a moment. Let's, let's continue on. He says in the middle of verse 1, Just as you have received from us how, how it's necessary for you to walk. Now, in actuality, I did not translate one of the words. And the reason being is that it's hard to do so in, in English. The word that I did not translate is the definite article. What's the definite article? It's simply the word the. Now, you may not know this, but, but in Greek, there are 24 forms, different forms of that word, the. And that shows how it can be very specific. And in this case, it's using the word the. He talks about how it is necessary for you to walk. Walk is a behavior word. It speaks about lifestyle. That same term walk is used in Hebrew to speak about Jewish law, meaning what the word of God demands a person do in order to be obedient. So it's a lifestyle. And he says here, the reason why the definite article is appearing is that he's speaking about a specific, he's taught us, he says, you received from us how, specifically, how it's necessary in a specific way for you to behave, for you to live. And what's the objective? It is only when we specifically follow that way of living, that lifestyle, that we are going to notice how this, this uh, phrase ends, where he says, to please God. So here's what it comes down to. Do you want to please God? If you do, there's only one way to do so. It's speaking about this lifestyle that, that Paul and the other apostles has outlined for them. And it's submitting to, and we'll see this in a moment, it is submitting to the purposes of God for your life. Not having God do what you want. Not God blessing the dream that you have for your life. But you crucifying of yourself all of those desires. What you think your life is supposed to be. Realize a simple truth. No one, no one stumbles upon God's will. No one has ever said, God, this is what I believe my purpose is on this, this planet, why you created me. Let me share with you, God, what that is. And we share, and God says, you're right. That's exactly my plan for your life. Never happens. Why? God's truth only comes to humanity through revelation. 
so no one stumbles upon god's plan for their life no one says this is what i've i've waited for all my life this is my moment and god has it for me heresy false feels good it tickles the ear it feels good to the flesh but it's not biblically sound so your plan is never god's plan and god's plan you'll never know it until he reveals it to you and we've talked about this before the only way that he's going to reveal it to you is when you begin to obey his general revelation what do i mean by that the theologians speak about general revelation and special revelation what's general revelation the instructions we find written in god's word so when i submit to these instructions what god commands me to do when i obey his word that obedience is going to bring about special revelation meaning god's going to begin to move me where he wants me to be reveal to me things that i need to know personally maybe who i should marry where i should live what i should do with my life all of these personal things we don't find in the scripture that someone is called to marry this person live in this city accept this job none of those things are there these come by special revelation that god directs you this is the person that he has for you this is the the place that he wants you to be this is the call that he's giving to you all of that comes through obeying scriptural truth through that obedience god gives us that guidance that direction personally for our life so he says you know you know you've received from us how and it's the word specifically how specifically it's necessary notice that word it is necessary for you to to behave for you to walk in this world how in order to he says and to please god and what's the benefit of that now god is so good he says i've revealed to you through paul to this congregation how it's necessary in a specific way for you to behave in a way that you please me meaning please god what's the outcome of living in this way well he says keep reading the end of, of verse one in order that and that means there's no other way in order that you abound and it's you all it's for all believers you all abound all the more now this word abounding speaks about abundance it speaks about that which goes beyond beyond our expectations beyond what we could imagine and i was speaking to someone today on the phone when i say today when this is being recorded and this person gets it right she was saying you know when i submit to god he he orders my life my life becomes adventurous i see god moving me and he's a good god he's a god that order things in a way that brings about joy i know she says that god's in and active in my life and that gives her joy gives her peace she has this abundance so this is what paul is speaking about move on to to verse two he says for you know certain instructions we gave to you how through lord yeshua 
Now, why is that important? Through the Lord Yeshua. He's telling us something here, and it's not new. It is only when I behave. Now, we're not saved by behavior, but behavior is important to God. And behaving in the right way, in a pleasing way, has great benefits. So, notice what he says. He talks about here, you know these certain instructions that we gave you through the Lord Yeshua. And when we submit to them, they are going to bring about godly activity, His power, the anointing of the Spirit, the revelation that we need to make wise decisions, to have that that godly discernment so that we can see things correctly. That only comes through demonstrating He's the Lord of your life. Now, He's called Lord so frequently in the New Testament, is He not? But one of the things I'll tell you, when I speak about following him as Lord, acknowledge him as Lord, you cannot imagine the negative emails I get in regard to that. And they all say the same thing. You're teaching a salvation by works. Never have I taught salvation by works. It is by grace. It's a free gift. Messiah does it all. He does everything perfectly, sufficiently in order that we can have eternal salvation. It's not dependent upon anything that we do. We simply receive it. And this receiving is not playing a part in the, the work of salvation. It's a gift that we access by faith, not by works. But having been saved, we are called, and I will never move away from this because it's clearly taught in the scripture. Having been saved, we are called to demonstrate he is the Lord of my life, meaning he's my authority. I do what he commands me to do. And doing that is going to cause you to oftentimes walk alone, to see things differently. See, here's one of the great blessings when you say, he's the Lord, he's my authority, and I make decisions that are pleasing to him and in line with his will. You never have to worry about hard decisions why they've already made see god's faithful he shows you clearly based upon the revelation of his word what's right and what's wrong we are called to execute justice we are always on the side of justice now there's an individual he was was speaking about the tension between grace and truth there is no tension between grace and truth doesn't exist grace compels me to live according to the truth now when he gave his message he was talking about homosexuality he's confused by this because he says you know we want to be gracious to the the homosexuals i do too given the truth that lifestyle's wrong it's not going to be a blessing for them it's not the right way it is not what god speaks about that specific way that it's necessary for us to live so i don't struggle with what to say god's already revealed it so grace is never compromising truth grace never in any way uh, lessens one for standing for truth i know what's truth why because i can read god's word tells me truth so when i see what god says about this this behavior i know it's wrong 
it is not god's best for that person god's not going to bless that person that person's not going to know peace and joy he's being deceived therefore grace compels me to speak the truth grace is never in conflict with truth and this is the problem for much of modern christianity they're confused about grace they think grace always means uh, uh being humanly kind not ever offending really the cross is the means of grace and paul talks about how the cross was offensive to individuals so we need to get it right and it, it is so sad that people struggle with this that they're 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 in blindness to what true biblical grace is all about look at verse three he says and now we get to the heart of what paul's going to address in this this fourth chapter look at verse three he says for this is the will of god now that makes it pretty clear this is the will of god and what is it your sanctification here again sanctification if you look at this word it's a word that speaks of a process but the the foundational word and i said this a few minutes ago the foundational word is holy holiness so it's a process where i demonstrate holiness and as i've said a gazillion times holiness is always connected to the purposes of god and grace gives me two things grace gives me the understanding of what is god's will and empowers me to carry it out now you say grace also saves yes it does but but we're talking to believers here so we don't need to always emphasize to believers by grace you have been saved that's true we have been but we need to realize for believers and this is who paul is addressing is that grace works to bring about obedience to the purposes of god for us to submit to the truth of god grace teaches us to deny self that means desire the, to, to deny the desires of flesh so that we can say yes to the commandments of god and let me tell you if you are part of a congregation that you're under someone that says you know being submissive to the commandments of god now we're not talking about torah observance according to what moses wrote why we know something there is no temple we can't come passover is is approaching and we know something we know that it's impossible to keep passover and if it's impossible to keep passover it's impossible to keep shabbat and all the other festivals in fact when we look at the law of moses there is well over 250 some will say 300 almost half of the commandments that are impossible today to be kept so what does that tell us we walk in the spirit and we fulfill the spirit the intent of that law and in doing so we fulfill the righteousness of the law not according to the letter of the law that's impossible but according to the objective the purpose of law the spirit of god enables us to do that that's not legalism what is that that is faithfulness obeying the word of god applying god's truth his instructions to our life that is a good thing and too many people 
they think that is is against the faith of of what messiah taught how sad indeed look again at verse 3 for this is the will of god what is it your sanctification now what is sanctification i already said sanctification is is walking living behaving according to the purposes of god god's instruction but notice what he says at the end of verse of verse three he says for you to abstain from evil now that word oftentimes speaks of sexual immorality and we're going to see that that is indeed the context of what he's going to say later on so abstain meaning this do not welcome that into your life do not receive these things into your life abstain from them and this means saying no they're wrong so sanctification always implies rejecting that which is not according to the commandments of god god's instruction both in the old and in the new testament going back to 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 this message that this one person gave about the conflicting between grace and truth there's no conflict i said that earlier so abstain from sexual immorality it's easy to say that is it hard for people to do that obviously people struggle in that area in a variety of ways they they struggle with the proper way of of meeting needs the proper ways in that god god created us to be to have that that aspect of our life we have to submit to god's structure for that god's timing for that god's way for that that it would be fulfilled in holiness in righteousness in purity in the way that god is glorified through it don't pervert it so there's nothing at all confusing grace does not bring confusion and say well what do i need to tell that person it's pretty clear does it not he says to abstain you are to abstain from sexual immorality and then look at verse 4 why we translate that word sexual immorality is because it says for each one to know his own vessel meaning his own body to some will say possess it's a word of ruling over it's a word that speaks about about governing properly how in holiness and sanctification and in honor so we learn something these two words again the term sanctification deriving from holiness that we learn how to control our bodies in a way that that speaks according to the parameters of god's commandments his commandments tell me what is acceptable in this area in my life and what's not acceptable and it's very clear it is only permissible this behavior between a man and a woman who have entered into a covenant of marriage it is a very exclusive act and it is very much exclusive within a covenantal marriage now when when the church becomes confused by this how sad and not just sad excuse me but it's sickening that we can't get this right and it just shows the influence of the enemy 
I'm speaking about the devil. His influence in much of what the world looks at and says is Christianity. Well, so much of it, and you can go denomination after denomination after denomination has embraced this, this alternate lifestyle. It is tragic. It is an abomination to God. And, and we need to affirm that. We, we don't want to be, to be uh, timid in what we say in regard to it. We need to be bold and stand for the truth of God. And let me tell you, once you make a decision, my, my thoughts are going to be based in Scripture. I want to do the things that are pleasing to God. Once you make that decision, it becomes so easy to respond to questions and issues that come to you because you have that revelation. You know what the scripture says. You make decisions based upon the truth of God and you don't allow the influence of the enemy. That is, is human propaganda, what the media presents. And unfortunately, what, what more and more so-called religious people are embracing, we don't let that influence us because of what? What does he say here? That each one of you needs to know his own vessel, meaning his own body, how to rule over it in sanctification and holiness and honor. And here's the key. It's when I know how to rule my behavior, my body, what I do with it, in a way that, that is in the, the description the definition, the framework of what God says is holy, then what's the outcome of that? I honor God. My body becomes an instrument of honoring God. Now, your body is going to honor someone. It is either going to honor the God of Israel and his son, Messiah Yeshua, in the anointing of, of the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, or you are going to be behaving not in holiness but in unholiness being deceived and you're going to be honoring the enemy and not god and unfortunately there's too many people that hold this bible a lot of them don't even hold the bible anymore that comes up on a screen they use a translation that is so uh, uh far removed from from what the actual text says they allow the influences of, of society and culture to impact the translation that they use. And this is shameful. So they are being misled, and I think many of them know that. But they're more concerned about pleasing man than, than honoring God. Now, notice what it says in the, the, the next part of, of the study. Look at verse, verse 5. We're supposed to know how to possess our own bodies in holiness, which brings honor to God. And then he says, not in the passions of desires, just as also the nations. Now, the nations, he uses a term which, which oftentimes is translated Gentiles. How should we understand it? When he speaks about Gentiles, he's speaking not so much about Jew and non-Jew, but those who have no covenantal relationship with God. That's the problem. Until one enters into a covenant with God, you're not going to have the resources, the revelation, the power, the anointing. You're not going to be able to discern truth 
until you enter into that new covenant why that new covenant brings about a change it causes you to be a new creation so look at verse 5 he says not in the the passion of desires just as also the the gentiles those who have no covenant the ones that do not know god they don't know god and here's the message you and pay very close attention to the word here the word here for knowing god is an experiential not a knowledge but an experiential so you cannot know god you cannot experience god or all of his benefits or any of his benefits until you are in a covenant with him so if you are not part of that new covenant you cannot know god you might know well there's a god but you can't experience god you're not going to benefit from from god's provision in your life because step one is enter into that new covenant relationship and how do you do that only one way and that is through the gospel now move on to to verse six it says these do not know god and therefore because of that they live improperly so he's warning us he's speaking to believers and he says in regard to our lifestyle still talking about that he says not uh uh in iniquity and exploiting the the matter of his brother now i would stop for a moment and realize something paul is doing something he is bringing a torah context in to to this section now why do i say torah context well if we drop down and this is where we're going to begin next week but i just want to to make reference to this notice what paul says in verse 9 he talks about brotherly love now is there a commandment that speaks about uh, loving your brother loving one another yes there is and messiah taught love your neighbor as yourself this is the second great commandment and it's like the first why it's related to love now here's what he's saying when you walk in in your sanctification when you are living that sanctified life you are not going to to exploit what you're called to do and that is your obligation to your brother what's my obligation to my brother to love him to minister to him to bless him to to have a a god-pleasing influence in their life now paul is going to and i made mention verse 9 brotherly love he's saying and let's look again at at our verse look at verse 6 he says not based upon iniquity and not exploiting and then we have a word here now it may be translated the matter of his brother but this word for matter or issue don't know how it's translated in your bible many where i was speaking and shared this passage not too long ago in a different country their their translation doesn't even have any word for that it just ignores it but what's the word well it is the greek word pragma now why is that important we look at it and it says just that pragma it's in a form pragma t in this form but it's pragmatic what's that pragmatic is something that is useful 
and it's also the primary thing it is based upon studying thoroughly something having the information in order to make a pragmatic decision and what he's saying is this when you understand sanctification what is key to sanctification now first of all yes in order to be on that process of sanctification first you have to be saved i want everyone to hear that sanctification cannot begin in a person's life until first this person is saved so we're saved by god's grace through that gospel message not of works lest anyone boast but it's a free gift it's through god's grace the work of the cross that messiah did in our our name to save us to pay the sin debt that that humanity have now when i receive salvation by faith not of works that salvation is going to put forth an outcome there's going to be a result of that salvation experience what is that well we all know the scripture that says work out your salvation with fear and trembling that does not mean that we play a role in working out our salvation what it says is with fear and trembling salvation needs to work out something and you are responsible for that solely no the holy spirit plays a major role but until i submit to the the pragmatic things those foundational things those matters that bring the anointing the power the resources of the holy spirit instead of quenching the holy spirit i need to submit to him now the no the knowledge of of paul tells us this all the torah in one statement he says that in galatians what's all the torah in one statement love your neighbor as yourself so as i understand based upon all the commandments how do i love my neighbor first of all until i love god with all my heart soul mind and strength i'll never be able to love my neighbor so it's when i am right with god that i can behave rightly in regard to my neighbor it begins with his influence in my life and then we say in hebrew who has sanctified us not saved us but sanctified us with what his commandments so it's when i study under the leadership of the holy spirit and apply the commandments to my life in the spirit in the newness of the spirit that i am going to be projected i'm going to move forward in sanctification and he's saying here do not ignore don't exploit the foundational thing and that is what one's pragmatic that is one's basic uh, obligation to who his neighbor for the lord notice what it says here we need to take this seriously because the lord avenges he he takes vengeance concerning all of these things what all of these things which are in violation to the the obligation that we have to love our neighbor as herself just as we have said beforehand to you and we have testified thoroughly so paul says to this congregation i've said this before i've testified thoroughly that we need to be people who walk in submissiveness not exploiting god's grace not miss 
understanding God's grace, not living in a way that speaks of, of iniquity and unrighteousness, but rather in the holiness of, of God's purposes. And where do I know God's purposes? From his commandments. One of the reasons, hear this carefully, one of the reasons that, that believers, let's say it this way, the church, is, is not very influential in the world is because it has no power. Where do we find power? In sanctification. Where do we find sanctification? When we understand how, by faith, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, to apply God's instructions to our life. Now, it's so sad to me, but if you say we are called under the leadership to apply, to, to implement God's instructions, apply his instructions to our life, people say, oh, that's okay. But if you say the word commandment, we are called to apply God's commandments to our life, they shout legalism. But the word Torah, and the word horaot, instructions, it comes from the same root. We hear Torah, you say law, something heavy. But, but the word Torah is derived from the same word which means to instruct. One who teaches the Torah is Torah Mora. You hear the similarities. Same root, Torah Mora. The T for Torah, it's a taf, it makes it a noun. Just like the mem makes it a noun for one who teaches. So what does one teach? They teach the Torah. That's why the word for teacher and the word for law is, is derived from the same word. So we need to get it right. And we're called to be a disciple of the instructions of God. That's what the scripture teaches us. So God, when we do not walk in holiness, we do not fulfill his expectations from his instructions. It says God, therefore, will avenge. He will bring vengeance concerning all these things, all these things that are violating his word. Just as Paul says, we've told you beforehand and we've testified thoroughly. Now look at verse 7. It was this verse that was our call to worship. Word says, for God has not called us for impurity. That is, that which is unclean. Now realize there's two possibilities you are either walk behave in a way that's unclean or in holiness just that simple the bible does not give us any other uh, other possibilities so i'm going to be walking in impurity or purity purity is related to holiness the word purity has to do with that which god will bless and when we are in his will, obeying his instructions, we are transformed into that purity which God will bless. Now, we're not talking about a declarative purity or declarative righteousness. We're talking about a performance righteousness. Now, be very careful. Hear what I'm talking about and not what someone may accuse me of. One is made righteous by faith. But when it says made righteous, we are declared righteous. We have the righteousness of Messiah given to us. So when God sees us, he sees his righteousness and obviously will receive us. That's a declarative righteousness. That's important. That's salvation. That's wonderful. Praise God because all of that came from the grace of God through the work of Messiah on that cross. And the resurrection confirms that. Wonderful. 
but being declared righteous there is what he's talking about now and that is living righteously and we live righteously being anointed by that spirit in order that we obey the instructions of god now if that's controversial let me tell you you are not a believer it's just that simple if saying obeying the instructions of god being led by the holy spirit is controversial or problematic you do not have the spirit of god in you someone who hears that who has the spirit of god the spirit of god will say yes he will confirm that he will convict you of what all righteousness not just how one is made righteous but how one lives righteously you see those are two different things being declared righteous by grace it's a free gift living righteously comes through the power and the provision of god through the holy spirit god the holy spirit in order that we behave righteously we do the things are those things important to god yes they are how do i know that because messiah says i'm coming to render to each one according to his deeds are we saved by deeds we are not are we going to be judged by deeds yes we will the scripture says that now people can can ignore that they can reject that that's between them and god but i want to testify according to the word of god what scripture reveals so he says here look at verse 7 for god has not called us for impurity to be unclean but he says it again but for or in sanctification in god's instructions in his purposes in holiness one more verse and we'll be done verse eight now this gets to the heart of what i was speaking about and that is if someone disagrees with this statement it is legalism it is attacking god's grace it is a works-based righteousness to say that that those who are saved by grace are called to obey the word of god his instructions his commandments what we read in the scripture applying them being led by the holy spirit if that's problematic let me say what what paul does in verse 8. he says therefore the one who rejects the one who is rejecting this does not reject man but who does he reject but god and notice how he concludes he rejects god the one also who gave his holy spirit to us literally in us now the question that you have to answer is this why does he speak about the holy spirit he just mentioned about sanctification holiness and he says if you're not committed to holiness if you're not about living that sanctified life the way that the word of god reveals his instructions his commandments you're you're not rejecting me you're not rejecting a man but you are rejecting god and he is the one who has given to you his spirit his holy spirit that's in you so it makes it very clear why is the holy spirit mentioned because the holy spirit it's he that works in our life and empowers us so that we can have discernment that we can understand god's revelation that's what discernment we can have wisdom so we know how to apply god's truth his knowledge to our situations so that we can have a testimony of righteousness 
it is one thing to be declared righteous by faith praise god for that and we have assurance because of that declaration of faith that we have been made righteous that the righteousness of messiah has been imputed given to us nothing's going to change that that's wonderful but we're here now still in this world in this body so that we can live righteously and what does paul say he says by grace you have been saved but he also says that that grace that has appeared to save us also teaches us to deny ungodliness and to walk righteously and soberly where in this world and that's what paul's emphasizing and we're going to see the relationship between what we studied in this lesson and what he's going to talk about next week when he gives that revelation concerning that blessed hope the rapture these two things are inherently related while well, close with that until next week may god bless you with a wonderful celebration of passover and the beginning of the feast of unleavened bread until that time shalom from israel we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with it. Shalom from Israel.